the Home Run Derby participants are announced, the Blue Jays fire Charlie Montoya, and the Seattle Mariners have a 10-game winning streak and are currently in playoff position. We'll talk about all that and more here on Total Bases. Welcome to Total Bases here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I am Greg Marino here with Mark Marino on today, July 14th, a Thursday morning. And there's a lot to get into today. Starting it off, the Home Run Derby, which is going to be this Monday. So that's something to get excited to watch. And it's going to be Peter Alonso trying to get his third straight home run derby victory, which would be the first time ever that someone's won three in a row. And then other people who we know are going to be in it, Ronald Acuna Jr., Albert Pujols, and we'll talk about that one extensively, Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, and Jose Ramirez. And if you're counting and notice that that's only seven, the eighth player has not been announced, but presumably it would be a Los Angeles Dodgers hitter as... They're the home team, and usually the home team will send out a player for the home run derby. So yeah, that so could be anyone. I'm thinking that Peter Alonso is so good at the home run derby that you really want a great group of guys, particularly this year, to try to take him down. And I do think that this is mostly a very good group of guys. Like I'm very pleased, with one exception, obviously, Pools. I'm very pleased with what we have here. Yeah. I think that a lot of these guys have already proven themselves in previous home run derbies, like Schwarber... Schwarber was extremely good in 2018 when Harper was just a bit better. And then Juan Soto's been good before, so has Acuna. And obviously they're kind of star players. Like, you know they'll be very competitive. And then I think Julio Rodriguez and Jose Ramirez are very interesting guys who have never done it before. I would have presumed that Jose Ramirez, if he ever wanted to do it, would have done it by now. But I guess he maybe changed his mind. Yeah, so I also like the candidates. Mm-hmm. Julio Rodriguez is an interesting choice because I don't think of him as a big home run hitter at all. He has 15 home runs on the season, which is pretty good. You know, He might reach 30 if he keeps up a good pace for the rest of the year. But, like, he does a lot else. So him and Jose Ramirez yeah, are not your traditional home run derby sluggers. But, yeah, Kyle Schwarber, I, I don't think he's a great player, but he is good for the home run derby. Yeah, we have two, like, great sluggers who we know are going to be great in the home run derby, a lot of Schwarber. Yeah. But then we have four, like, all-around stars, like, probably, like, four of the best young stars who are going to really dominate baseball for the next five to seven years in Acuna, Soto, Rodriguez, and Ramirez. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun to see Acuna and Soto in there. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of part of that same class of 2019, was it, their rookie year? No, they were 2018. 2018, mm-hmm. yes. So that'll be good to see. And I think Peter Alonso is obviously going to be the favorite at Dodger Stadium. He's been there twice, won it both times. So high expectations for him. But, you know, the home run derby really is just a lot of fun. As far as that Dodgers player is concerned, there's actually a fair number of options from the Los Angeles Dodgers for who it could be. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, say, Will Smith or maybe... Yeah, I mean, Mookie Betts is leading the team with 20 homers. But, yeah, Yeah, Will Smith. I don't know if he's ever done one. I feel like Freeman has done it before. Maybe we'll see him. He did not do particularly well in his first home run derby. Even Cody Bellinger, who's having kind of a down year overall, I think he's the sort of guy who would do it. Max Muncie also having a horrible year, hitting 161. But, you know, maybe he'd partake in it. That would be kind of funny if Max Muncie rolled out onto the home run derby 
stage with a 161 average. Yeah, actually, I, now that I think about it, that's really not going <laughs> to happen. Not sure we, we really want Maybe that. try Turner if they wanted to add another sort of non-power hitter to the mix. That could be Troy Turner. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that Turner would do too well, though. Yeah, I really don't think mm-hmm. he's a home run derby guy. Mm-hmm. I think it'll probably be Freeman, Betts, or Bellinger, or maybe yeah. Will Smith. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the home run derby should be good in Dodger Stadium, where it was going to be in 2020 had it not been canceled for the shortened season. But, yeah, actually, before we move on, though, Albert Pujols in the home run derby. Yeah. So, you know, obviously... He is no longer worthy of being in home run derbies, just based on talent. But, you know, he's Albert Pujols, a big-name guy. Maybe his last year, you know, you put him in. So, the similar thing happened with the All-Star game, where Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera are both going to be in the All-Star game. And that, personally, I'm not a huge fan of putting these old-timers into the All-Star game just because they were good 10 years ago. Because Albert Pujols, you know, he's having a bad year. But, however, I don't mind it in the All-Star game so much because, like, a lot of players make the All-Star game. I don't know exactly how big the All-Star they, they were. Are. They're not really there in place of anyone else. They were yeah. just added in as a career achievement, guys. It's really kind of a whole separate thing from the actual All-Star Yeah, and game. also there's, like, you know, 50-plus mm-hmm. players in the All-Star game. So, yeah. like, it's not like, you know, so much of the All-Star game is just going to be Pujols and Cabrera not being good. Though, actually, Miguel Cabrera is doing pretty well. So she yeah, quite he actually him. could have been the Tigers' actual All-Star, although they ended up going with Gregory Soto for their, like, real All-Star. Yeah. Every team always has a random reliever. I feel like every team should be required to have a starting pitcher or a hitter, or they should just give up that requirement yeah. for one guy from every team. Yeah, I mean, Miguel Cabrera not quite in the same boat as Pujols, as he's actually kind of having a decent year. But, I mean, he wouldn't be in here just based on stats alone. But yeah. the thing about the home run derby, putting Pujols in the home run derby... I really dislike that because there's only eight players in the home run derby. So, like, we only get to see a few select stars play in the home run derby. And now one-eighth of the home run derby is going to be Pujols. Yeah, and he's it's just like, going to be terrible. Yeah, and you know, maybe, maybe he'll be all right. But in general, it's even if he puts up a pretty good showing, like, I don't want to see, like, old man Albert Pujols come up to the plate and hit some home runs you know, and when he's going to be, you know, retired in a year. I want to see, like, a young player, you know, make a name for themselves in the home run derby. You think mm-hmm. of, like, Aaron Judge in 2017. Or Vlad Jr. 2018. Vlad Jr. 2018. Yeah, yeah like, I, those two in particular both chose not to do it. But mm-hmm. in general, like, mm-hmm. get a younger, more actively relevant player into that home run derby for the fans to see. I, I that would be a better move for the home run derby, being that there's so few contestants. I hate to see a spot wasted just on the legacy of Albert Pujols. Yeah, I feel like one of the big storylines in all of baseball this season, at least for me personally, is that Pujols has so few homers. He only has six homers, which means that he's unlikely to catch A-Rod, which I really don't want him to do. He needs 17. No, he needed 17, so he needs 11 more in the second well, half to tie A-Rod. So it doesn't look like that will be happening, Is this for sure his last season? Yeah, it is. I don't know. I, I think he said that, but you never know. However, yeah, presumably it's his last season. I mean, yeah. it was really cheap if he said it was his last year. Got into the home run derby and the all-star game because of that, and then played again. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm that'd also... Be if Jeter, that'd be like if Jeter had chosen to continue on after 2014. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think Which he Which, thankfully, actually. he didn't. I'm also kind of a Team A-Rod guy, hoping he stays ahead of Pujols. Mm-hmm. So, uh... We'll see how that unfolds for Pujols in the second half. It's, you know, 697. Right now he has 685 home runs. 
So if he can get 697, that would put him on the head of A-Rod, which would be a big milestone. And then obviously 700 is just a milestone mm-hmm. in of itself. But uh, moving on, let's get into the Blue Jays firing Charlie Montoya. So this one, it kind of surprised me. It was one of those ones where it didn't totally surprise me. I would say I didn't see it coming. But once it happened, I was kind of like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I really thought the Blue Jays, I think I picked them to be the one seed in the AL. I just thought they had a stacked team. And despite not really having a ton of injuries, I mean, there's been some injuries, but this is really just an underperformance of a season. Yeah, and I think that's one of the scenarios that causes for a managerial change is when a team isn't just playing not super well. After all, you know, they're still currently tied for the third wild card. Like, they're, they could easily make the playoffs. I'd say probably over 50% chance they do. But... When a team just underachieving, they should be better. They were expected to compete for this division, and they're 15 games out. So, like, they're really just, they've been a disappointment, mm-hmm. really, to everyone. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's fair to say that the manager has got to go. Yeah, I, I really do think the Budgets could certainly turn it around in the second half. We've seen that the Phillies kind of rally about the firing of Girardi. So, even if it's not exactly the manager's fault, I do think that a change can kind of rally the team a bit. Yeah, I mean... They did crush the Phillies yesterday 8-2 in their first game without Montoya. Yeah, they won yesterday. They'd kind of been struggling of late. They're in fourth place, if you look at the standings. So they're tied for third. And I mean, like, they're only two games ahead of the Orioles for fifth place. It's really been a tough go for the Blue Jays. However, one thing that we were talking about before we started recording is that... So... Blue Jays fire Charlie Montoya. Maybe Tony Larusa of the White Sox is the next manager to go. As also, we're seeing managers get fired mid-season more so than usual. Already, that's three mid-season firings. Yeah, I think we're seeing managers be fired as like a part of a strategy to make the playoffs. Teams that are kind of in the mix keep firing their managers. I think the manager because they think they make the playoffs. They're not just like cleaning out house and like announcing that tear down of a previous era of that team. I think if a major does get fired mid-season, it's often on a team that's just being awful. But now we're seeing teams that are underachieving, but not exactly being terrible in just a pure win-loss department. I feel like in baseball, it's always kind of been like unspoken rule that generally you stay away from the mid-season managerial change. Like, it's obviously happened before, but I think teams tend to avoid it. But this year, now we've seen three as the Phillies fired Girardi, and that's They've been great ever since they fired Girardi. Now they're currently fighting for playoffs, but only just barely out of the NOL card, a game out, when it was not looking good for them when they had Girardi. So that kind of turned their season around. And then the Angels fired Madden. That hasn't really worked out for them, but however, they already collapsed at that point. So the Angels are just a whole other mess. But Madden, I think he needed to go. So now Blue Jays firing Montoya. I don't know. I never thought he was really that good of a manager. They don't really seem to be, like, the sort of guy who would, like, inspire his players. So mm-hmm. I think that could work out for them. But, yeah, I, I think the White Sox should get rid of Tony La Russa. So I've actually been saying this since before the season started, that Tony La Russa, actually, really, ever since they fired him, I thought he was a bad hire. Yeah, I mean, they, ever they since, they, him because ever the since they hired him. I mean, they just hired him because the owner wants him. It's yeah. not really anyone else it seems so to So the thing him. is, so Tony La Russa, he's kind of obviously, like, a more distinguished player. Guy. He's not just, you know, your random guy picked up the, off the streets to manage your team. No. It's like distinguishing features about him. He's been in baseball for a long time, managed a whole lot, 
had some really successful managerial seasons. 2011 Cardinals World Series victory among them. In 06. And 06. And, mm. But also, he's very old. So that was kind of the thing to me that made me think he was a bad hire when they originally got him. Because we're seeing, like, the Yankees hiring Aaron Boone. I still think that that was a really good hire for the Yankees and that he's been a good manager for them. I just generally think that there's been a movement towards younger managers in baseball, and I think it's better. Just younger, you know, more connected to the players, just through, like, being closer in age to them. Like, it may not be that big a deal, but I do think there's something to be said for it, whereas Tony La Russa, to me, always kind of seemed like that manager who was just kind of there to yell at his players when they messed up. Mm-hmm. And also there to make some pretty bad in-game decisions. Yeah, he intentionally walked Jose Ramirez with a 0-1 count, and that's not the first time he's done that this year. He also did it to Trey mm-hmm. Turner earlier. It really just doesn't make any sense when you have an advantage in account to intentionally walk someone that you didn't originally intend to. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's kind of an example of bad in-game yeah. managerial decisions. And we've also just seen a lot of screw-ups from the White Sox yeah. players on the field. It's the type of stuff that shouldn't be happening ever that keeps happening. Yeah, that's why I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the triple play against the Twins. Yeah. Was that twi- yes. And um, just generally... When I look at the White Sox season, they're disappointing even worse than the Blue Jays. They're 43 and 45, three and a half games out of the third wild card. And they were supposed to, they were favorites for the division. They were supposed to be great this year. But for the White Sox, it hasn't just been players underachieving the way I think it has been for the Blue Jays. Just, you know, like Jose Barrios, ERA over five, though he's picked it up his last two starts ever since I picked him up in fantasy baseball. So that's been nice. But with the White Sox, to me, it seems like they just keep on kind of having these disasters, like we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Intentional walk, trick to try Turner, next batter, Max Muncy, home run. It's like mm-hmm. more things that you blame the manager for, not the players. So, I mean, really, Tony Russo should be going. I don't, I don't know if he will. They have had a lot of injuries, so I do think there's kind of a built-in excuse there, and they're not that far out of the division. So I could, I could still see them winning this division. Uh. Or maybe sneaking into a third wild card spot. I mean, yeah. It's a weaker of course, division. the injuries don't seem to be going away. I think Ilya Jimenez is maybe the next guy to go on the shelf. Yeah, it is a weaker division. The mm-hmm. Twins are leading at only eight games over 500. So despite their massive struggles, the White Sox are only five games out, which is very doable. And they're also only three and a half games out of the wild card, like I said, which is kind of a lot, but also very comebackable. So I would like to see Tony La Russa go for the White Sox. Good. But, uh... I don't know. I'd say unlikely. Unless they continue to struggle, he's probably going to stick around, as the their owner is pretty attached to him. Yeah. So also around MLB, there's two teams with 10-game winning streaks right now who have really jumped into the AL wildcard mix. The Mariners, as we mentioned in the intro, and the Orioles. And I think the Mariners are probably the bigger story here, since they seem like the team more likely to actually make a legitimate run at the playoffs. Yeah, so I mean... I think the Orioles are kind of a good story for a team, you know, that was that bad, looking that bad to now be over 500 with their 10-game winning streak. But really, there's still two games out. I don't think they're going anywhere. They're in. They're in, they're still in last place in the division. However, the Seattle Mariners just swept a doubleheader against the Nationals, and they're currently tied for the for the second and third wild card. So to kind of break that down for you. The Rays have the first wild card spot secured their game up, but then of the next two wild card spots, those are occupied by the Mariners, Blue Jays, and Red Sox all being 
in a three-way tie. So if the season were to end right now, two of those three teams would make the playoffs, along with the Rays and then the, the division winners. So, I mean, like, I was counting the Mariners as dead a month ago. I think we all were. I remember when we had Dylan Liebrick, Mariners fan on the show, he was saying he still believed, and I was like, okay, he's just a Mariners fan. But now here they are, 10 in a row, so do you believe in the Mariners? Are they going to make the playoffs? Um, I'd say it's going to be close. Like, I don't think anyone, any of these teams are going to really pull away, but I, I feel like I'd probably sit, expect they will make the playoffs. I think that this, the current Mariners team of like the last month, and especially the last few weeks, is more of the real Mariners than the Mariners from the first month or two of the season. They're also playing in a very weak division, which gives them an advantage over all those AL East teams who are going to be beating mm-hmm. up on each other. Yeah, I mean, I think we're starting to see that happen, where everyone's talking about how great the AL East is, but if you look at the Blue Jays, Reds, and Red Sox, they're all like five or six games over 500, so they're not actually playing that well. And that, and that doesn't mean that they're not good teams, but it doesn't mean they're kind of tearing each other down, as yeah. every time they play, someone has to lose. But the Mariners, yeah, 47 and 42, in a solid spot. And they've got... Yeah, they do have a pretty solid team. Julio Rodriguez is a clear rookie of the year candidate. He's having an incredible year, really, like carrying their offense. And they've got a lot of other good hitters, too. Ty Freed, Suarez is having kind of a bounce back year. JP Crawford, solid. I think Winker is kind of a key. If he gets back on track, then their offense could go from solid to really, really good. Yeah, and I mean, Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker, the two players they brought in from the reds it was not looking like those deals were working out well for them but however now jesse winker you know he's been hitting well in the last month 288 average in his last 30 games you know still only eight homers which is kind of lower than what you'd like to see for him but like he's definitely been underperforming so far as a whole but I think there's definitely reason to believe that Jesse Winker can turn around. And yeah, he's been a pretty consistently good hitter for his whole career until this yeah, year. And I'm back on the Reds. You know, he showed the potential. He never really put it together for a full season, but he really showed the potential to be, you know, an all-star, 30 homers, over 300 batting average type hitter. And then on the pitching side of things, they did bring in Robbie Wright from the Blue Jays this offseason, which was their big addition. And... He hasn't quite been Cy Young, Robbie Ray, but he's been good. And Logan Gilbert's been really good for their rotation, too. So, really, I think they could have the all-around team, kind of all-around solid team, just to get into the playoffs. I don't think they're going to, like, win 100 games, but they could get a wild-card spot for sure. And, really, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the Mariners, who haven't been in the playoffs since 1997, when... Or 1995, when they beat the Yankees in the ALDS. Wait, they, wait, they were in it in 2001, but they won 160 Oh, yeah, 2001. Games. Yeah, they did make the playoffs with that 116-game yeah. season. But, yeah, so it's Not been still 21 years. So mm-hmm. I think it'd be a good story if the Mariners make the playoffs. Yeah. As for the Orioles, I mean, like, yeah, it's a really nice run for them. But I feel like it's they, they're not really that good of a team. They don't really have any star players. Yeah, they're... They're kind of relying on everyone doing about as well as they can, but no one really has the ability to go above and beyond what they've been so far this year. If you look at the roster, there just isn't a ton of talent there. They'd really have to make a move or two at the trade deadline, and I really would be shocked if they did that in the middle of a rebuild. I don't really think they should buy the trade deadline. I think something you said that was good insight before the show was that the Orioles are this year kind of like what the Mariners were last year, and I think that's 
Pretty true. And the Mariners last year did not make the playoffs, though they had a pretty good year. Yeah, so like we're saying right now that the Mariners in 2022 are like a legitimate playoff team. So I feel like the Orioles maybe could be that next year. But they're going to have to make some moves mm-hmm. in the offseason. Their young players are going to have to get another year of experience. And they're going to have to patch up some holes, especially in the middle infield, which they really don't have anything yeah. there right now. Uh, we've talked about, like, re- the struggles of rebuilding teams. I think the Orioles seem to be coming out on kind of the better end of this, whereas Tigers, Royals, even Rangers, those teams seem to just not really be rebuilding effectively. And obviously the Angels, whether or not they were rebuilding, who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Rangers... They're not completely out of it. Like, they're 41 and 45, and the record is, like, only a bit worse than the White Sox, who probably still regard themselves as in it. It's They're about yeah. the same record. Yeah, they've got the same number of losses as the White Sox. There's two back in the win column, so a game about overall. The Rangers, I feel like the Orioles would not be able to make themselves into a playoff team with a move. I feel like the Rangers, if they got a really good pitcher, but that's what they really need is pitching. They have a pretty good offense. Like, every game they play it is, like, 11-9. So they just really need a, a great starting pitcher, and that could maybe make them into a playoff yeah, team. They didn't make all that investment in the offseason, so maybe they're thinking that they don't want to have spent all this money just to be like a 79-win team, and they want to try to make a push. Yeah, I think their pitching is mm-hmm. kind of lacking, especially pitching depth in general. But mm-hmm. yeah, offensively, I and mean, they did bring in Marcus Semien and Corey Seager this offseason, so their offense mm-hmm. should be good. And Semien and Seager are both playing pretty well. Yeah, and, like, they've got pretty solid players up and down the lineup. They, you know, yeah, Adolos Garcia is having a very good year. Yeah, so and is Jonah High behind the plate. He could have been an all-star. Yeah, Nate Lau, they, who's someone they got from the Rays, is being good, which is really surprising to mm-hmm. trade for someone from the Rays and have them be good. doesn't mm-hmm. seem to happen very often. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there is hope for the Rangers. They're really, I don't, I don't think there's really hope. But, yeah, yeah they're, they're better off than the Royals and Tigers, mm-hmm. for sure. But that's going to wrap it up for this week on Total Bases as we're out of time. But we'll be back next week post-All-Star break to talk about more baseball news. So be sure to tune in next week on Total Bases on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.